Welcome to You, But More Powerful. I'm your host, Rhiannon, and this is your go-to podcast for raw and expansive messages from health, fitness, business, and mindset, and as always, with a little bit of fun sprinkled in. My purpose is to help you step into your most powerful self and build your dream life. You'll gain clarity, connection, and confidence with a whole lot of practical skills along the way. I know you're in exactly the right place to level up, build the body, mindset, and life you absolutely love and thrive in. Let's go. Today's episode is purely for entertainment purposes only. This is not a substitute for medical advice. Please ensure that you are speaking with your healthcare providers around your actual hormone health. This is just a discussion for myself and fellow food scientists who has gone down the rabbit hole and is super, super passionate about all things health, hormones, and pain-free periods. We really do hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode on the podcast and today I have special guest Desi here with me. We're going to be talking about hormones, pain-free periods, yes it is possible and a whole range of different things. Um, Desi is a qualified nutritionist and very passionate foodie. She's based in Melbourne um, and we actually have quite a lot of common ground we found. So after sort of fixing her own period pain, it became her mission to be able to help everyday women not only do the same, but like fix their period all together and help them realize they can have it all. So we share a lot in common going through our own weight loss journeys and being passionate about women's health from the inside out. And we did speak a lot about evidence base and the woo and kind of bringing the two together. So Desi, a lot of women, oh, firstly, I want to say welcome and thank you for coming on. No worries. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And uh, a lot of women that I typically work with are after a physique result and, you know, may or may not have tracked their cycle before. Um, And I thought I would just sort of, yeah, I wanted to just discuss what kind of got you into, um, you know, talking about food, hormones, bit of everything and a bit of a background about yourself. All right. So I'm an ex-beauty therapist. So I studied, um, studied a diploma of beauty therapy when I was about 19, um, worked in that industry for a while, figured out it wasn't for me. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, figured out it wasn't for me. I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I um, also, when I was 19 as well, I also went through my own 20 kilo weight loss journey. So um, unqualified, qualified, giving, taking myself through that journey. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I always liked food. I always liked health. And I saw a course at Deakin, Deakin here in Melbourne that stood out to me, um, Bachelor of Nutrition and Food Science. And I thought, why not? Sounds good. And yeah, I, um, throughout that time, I started working in, I went down the food science path during my degree. Um, I um, yeah, went down that path and I started working at different food factories, food manufacturing places like that. Um, and then COVID hit and yeah. I thought, oh, wow, I've made the wrong decision. Um, I should have gone use the other half of my degree. Um, and yeah, um, I just wasn't sure, you know, like I knew I wanted to use that part of my degree and help people with food because I mean, I love food. And yeah, I thought, you know, what I didn't know, do I want to go down the emotional eating path, the um, non-diet approach, the weight loss approach. And then I thought, you know, it's always annoyed me um to put it bluntly about um you know people not taking periods in women's health seriously and i saw it 
you know, gap in the market with that area. And um, yeah, and I, you know, I used to hear people say things like, you know, period pain, you know, isn't normal, um, you know, you shouldn't be having period pain and all these other myths about periods that just are not true. And after hearing that over and over and over again, I kind of just, you know, went down that rabbit hole, um, treated myself like my own little guinea pig. And yeah, I don't, haven't had a painful period in, well, pretty much over a year now. And and it it is greener on the other side. And I kind of just want to spread the message about how how freeing and how amazing it is. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's honestly so much of the stuff that you say. I'm like, oh, on a, when it comes to women's health, especially, and I know that we spoke about this when we first got on a call together, um, just around, you know, maybe not getting the best information, um, obviously in any industry, um, you know, without naming names and things, there's always really great people and maybe some that, you know, maybe just aren't suited for that industry. If I put it in a nice way, <laughs> read between the lines, I suppose. Um, and it's just not something they're passionate about. And there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of confusion. And there's also a lot of taboo when it comes to talking about periods and menstrual cycles and talking Definitely. about bleeding and blood. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I can see us both like nodding here. And I'm like, it, you know, on one hand, I go, I actually understand it because, you know, for growing up, you just kind of, you call it that time of the month or you talk about it with your friends, just you're really close with, you don't really bring it up that much. And it's all just kind of this thing that's hidden. And when you hear about it in, I remember, you know, a very brief, maybe in, what was it, PE or was it in PE that we heard about it? I don't even know now. <laughs> yeah, like year seven PE or something like that. Yeah, like a bit of, you know, oh, look how amazing, um, you know, male reproductive systems are. They're so strong and powerful and they create life. And then it's like, oh, and women, like you'll just bleed and cry and, and you know, get a little puffy around this time and want to eat chocolate. And you're just like, yeah. oh, okay, great. Like I'm just, yeah, yeah that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? So. <laughs> Like, you know, without yeah, like your life sucks now, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like welcome. And until you start going through uh, menopause, you'll, you'll deal with a whole other plethora of different things that we won't discuss until that point in time. So anyway, I'm going to get really off topic there, but yeah, it's always just been this like conversation. And I think especially within my role, you know, um, what I'm doing and, and the people that I do work with, we're talking about our digestive track. We're talking about our bowel movements. We're talking about our menstrual cycle and having a look at how that impacts, you know, not only our, you know, training and output, but just overall general life. Like, um, because, you know, not everything's just about your training as much as like, I mean, a lot of the girls listening to this would um, agree and be like, yeah, it's all about the gains, but like, we, we know there's life outside of that as well. So I guess like, yeah, it's just one of these things that these conversations, I believe, and I, I feel like we share the same view, really do need to be had a lot more of um, because there's so much misinformation out there around what is and isn't normal. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I think we were talking about it before too where we were we were saying, I can't remember who said it to be honest, but it was like just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a big one. I actually popped up a um, – story on the Instagram, just asking people like, do you suffer with period pain? And 
do you think period pain is normal? And there's just such a mixed response. Like it's so interesting to see other perspectives around just thinking like, yes, it is normal. And, you know, no one's wrong for thinking that. Like, look at what we got taught. It's like you're doomed for life now. And, you know, that that it is what it is. Um, but I love that you've got this story to be able to share and, you know, have the evidence behind there and the research and the knowledge to go, okay, like these are, these are actually kind of the overarching principles as to why. And these are the rabbit holes you can go down. And these are the things you can start to look at and and implement and I think you know having having a look at that from like a, a bird's eye view is it safe to say there's no one size fits all no no I mean each each person is different each story is different I mean I I agree the similar sort of principles apply but when you get down to the nitty-gritty everything is very different yeah yeah so I just out of curiosity as well is um, you know, if we look at like how early menstrual cycles sort of start, we're looking at, do you know, do you know the rough ages? Well, so that's interesting. So about mm. if you asked me 20 years ago, I would have probably said, you know, 14 to 16, whereas now it's becoming like 11, 12 and, you know, that's even younger. Yeah, exactly. So probably I'd say around that 11 to 14 is pretty common at the moment. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So like, so we start then and I guess, I'm not sure how much you have um, to do with like, you know, clientele that are around that age or people that are in your circle in your life, but I know I have a few younger clients and just seeing how irregular their cycles are and their symptoms and all these kinds of things. I'm like, it's so interesting that we all are so individual, um, but mm-hmm. then having a look at how those things shift and change over time. I had a, a client who is a little older um, than the age that we were just talking then uh, who has had some massive shifts within her cycle and seen some really positive benefits in reduction of pain and more, you know, uh, I guess, what is it, more regular cycles. Yeah, um, yeah. And a lot of this has been through her diet and her training. And I'm sure you would, you're like, yes, 100%. Like we'll get into that <laughs> rabbit hole a little bit later, but it's like, you know, there's so many um, different things and, and positive outcomes, but there's still a lot of people that are, I guess, like for lack of better words, are suffering. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, like you mentioned before, um, you know, once you start getting a period, your body's still trying to like recalibrate this new persona, this new person. So obviously things are a bit irregular until it finds its own rhythm, which I mean, and unfortunately a lot of young girls are being, you know, put on the pill, which, you know, not discrediting the pill. If you're aware of all the side effects and you're aware of everything, then go for it. But a lot of these young girls, like even as young as 15, 16, 17, are going on the pill because their periods are irregular when they're supposed to be at that age and mm-hmm. come off when they're about, you know, 25, 27. And because the pill just basically it's like putting a Band-Aid on, trying to suppress everything, um, you know, like trying to shake a champagne bottle, eventually it's just going to explode yeah. and things are going to be a lot worse than what you thought they were. And then that's when a lot of these things are coming out and that's what I'm seeing a lot of people um like, you know, just seeing in my circle, a lot of people that were suppressing everything from back then. And now it's just exploded. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like, I'm just imagining putting a Mentos into the Coke bottle that you used to do in science. Oh, I remember yeah. those experiments. <laughs> yeah. I'm just reflecting now on school thinking, wow, there's so much, like, there's so much random stuff. But anyway, um, but I, I, you took the words out of my mouth because I'm like, obviously I'm not, you know, I'm only talking from personal experience here and I'm not talking from a professional standpoint and definitely, you know, speak with doctors. I'm a big advocate for everyone that I work with. I'm like, I'm always saying we have a running joke of I'm not a doctor and I'm not this and I'm not this, but like just spark conversation so it's you know the idea is like 
listening to anything like this, spark a conversation, have a conversation with the next person, be curious about your body and your health and learn all the bits and pieces. And I know that there's a lot of people that do listen to um, podcasts, even myself included, that I don't, I don't necessarily need to have, you know, all the ins and outs. I kind of just want to know like some of the touch points. It just sparked that conversation. And, and for a while it was like suppressing my voice because I'm like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing and I don't want to put words in people's mouths. But I'm like, there's people out there, like if I was just having a conversation with my friend, I would give her this information. So why can't I have this on a broader scale and help more people just to be curious about their their bodies and what they're putting into it? And that can be both through like food and, you know, having something like the pill, like you mentioned. Um, and that was something I wanted to talk about is because I remember just being put on the pill to regulate my period. And obviously mm. at that point in time, I had no idea what it was, what you do. I, I don't even know exactly how old I was. I want to say about 15 or 16. And it was just the thing, like everyone went on it. And I just remember, you know, I was very heavily into my sport growing up. So it was, you know, impacting me not knowing when it was coming. (laughs) So it was like, oh, now you have this pill and it just tells you when you're bleeding, but it's not even a real period. Hey. No, it's not. It's not. It's just a withdrawal bleed and you're not, yeah, you're essentially not getting a period. And it's pretty much just like pressing pause on when you first start taking it. And then, yeah, that's basically. Yeah. Putting the Mentos in and exploding later. Yeah. 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 So have you, had you always had painful periods and then, you know, there was a point or do you want to talk a bit more to that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, from, I'd say from when I first started, it'd be more like, like, like just that heavy, uncomfortable, bloated sort of feeling. And then throughout high school, it just got progressively worse. And then, um, I mean, I'd, be managing on tea, uh, like, you know, just going through the pain and just, you know, trying to get through the day sort of thing. But then once I lost weight, which, I mean, I don't know how, like, how much backed by science this is, but when I lost weight, it just got progressively worse to the point where I would actually have to read the back of the painkiller box and be like, have I reached, have I hit my max yet? And yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good, hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you're looking at the back of the painkiller packet thinking, can I have some more? That's like I know we're laughing about it now and I'm, I'm not laughing for anyone who experiences that and we'll, you know, talk to that in a second of like there's all lots of different hormonal conditions and things that obviously impact the extremity and the levels and it impacts everyone differently. But to be in a space where it's like you just have to have and rely on these painkillers and yeah. I – um. I have, you know, known for a very long time. I, I think I really started to get into my cycle. I'm very curious about this as why well. I wanted to have this conversation too is, you know, um, started tracking my cycle probably, I want to say strictly maybe six years ago-ish. And that's when I had to come off any kind of um, like hormonal contraception, I guess to call it. Um, you know, I'd had I'd used different things throughout the years and I'd been on it for obviously a long period of time. I think it was about 15 and I'm what, 28 now. So I must've been about 23-ish, roughly 20, 22, 23. Anyway. Yeah. I really started to track and get curious and understand and be like, okay. And I really started to experiment, you know, again, my own body. I wasn't qualified in any of the things that I am right now at this point in time. So it was all this kind of trial and error. And I think that's why I get really passionate about like, I want to condense it and help you and like really kickstart you because this took me way longer than it needed to, um, to fix, (laughs) well, you know, quotation marks fix. (laughs) And I think the the biggest things that I started to see shift were um, obviously 
nutrients and, you know, B vitamins and all this kind of stuff and really, you know, fixing up and making sure my blood work was good and regular checkups and changing up my diet. Um, obviously this is in hindsight. So at the time I didn't know all of this, but I, what I started to, you know, learn about my body, um, was that, you know, 10 days leading into my cycle, I really started to have some severe, quite symptoms and conversations with the doctors, um, at the time was obviously that, um, I don't know actually how to say it, but PMDD, that pre premenstrual dysphoric disorder or something like that. Anyway, don't really like to put labels on things, but you know, if that's a, a bit of it and yeah, really just started to see like these ups and downs and over the years have been able to much more manage that. And then obviously had my own, um, flare up of, I guess, illness, had Hashimoto's, a whole year worth of really, really intense periods um, that only now, and it's just just over 12 months since diagnosis that I've started to, and look, touch wood, I'm due tomorrow. So we'll see how this one goes. But yeah, it was to the point where I was actually throwing up like projectile vomiting, which was, which is disgusting. But I know it was like, I'm laughing now because I'm like, at the time I was just I was shocked. Like I was sweating. I was, you know, by the toilet, I was projectile vomiting. I couldn't like from the pain. And I think I'm like, this isn't normal, but you go to the doctor and there wasn't really anything. It was just like, take some painkillers and, you know, and I'm like, that's surely, surely not like, surely that's not the answer. I'd say uni was more so learning about, you know, uh, pregnancy, lactation, a bit about puberty. Um, but yeah, everything that I know is my own, you know, doing personal development courses, professional development courses, and just reading, you know, books and studies and research and all that sort of stuff. And of course, you know, being my own little guinea pig. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's, it is crazy how much like, you know, there's a, there's just kind of like a blanket or this happens and this happens and this happens, but actually working with people there's such a, you know, variance in terms of like person to person and lifestyles and things. So anyway, I know we're kind of going off a bit of a tangent, <laughs> um, but I guess like if, you know, what, how would you explain, like, how would you explain the menstrual cycle and, you know, all its ins and outs to someone who didn't know anything about it? So I'd say, you know, um, men and women are very different, pretty much. You could almost say we're basically a different species. They have their qualities that make them unique and we have our qualities that make us unique. And we were created to create basically. Um, And, you know, um, just like we go through different seasons throughout the year, um, our body goes through different seasons. You know, we have our winter phase, which is the, the bleeding phase. We have your, you know, follicular phase, which is, you know, spring. So, you know, once you finish, you know, basically hibernating and, you know, it's dark and, you know, you're just taking it easy and not going out much and not that vibrant. And then after that, you know, rebirth and, you know, your energy is getting back and, um, you know, things are looking bigger and brighter. And then you have your ovulation, which I do want to make a point that a lot of people are told that they ovulate on day 14, which only applies to like 30% of women. And yeah don't rely on your um, tracking app to tell you that you're ovulating. Um, But yeah, that's basically, you know, summer. So, you know, it's bright, it's, you know, happy, um, vibrant, energetic, things like that. And then after that, you move into your luteal phase. So, you know, we're just starting to, you know, dial it in and, you know, relax a little bit and get ready for that, um, you know, that hibernation sort of phase. So it's, it's, actually uh you know really special time a really fantastic time um and you know once you are aware of you know your body and you know you understand um you know the ins and outs and you understand that it is a cycle um 
you know, it, it really can be quite special and it's not something to be feared about because, I mean, every single person is pretty much a missed period anyway. So, um, and you shouldn't, you know, fear period blood because, I mean, there actually are, there is a little bit of research out there to say that it does contain some sort of um, some stem cells as well. So, um, in fact, it's, it's special blood and it's actually, um, I, I'm not sure if there is much research about this, more of the woo sort of side, but yeah. it is the most organic form of plant fertilizer you can find out there. Wow, that's so interesting. Like, so yeah, tell me more about that. Um, well, I mean, I'm not really sure about, um, I, I don't really know if there is much research to back this, but yeah. I mean, you know, there, there is, I haven't tried it myself though, but yeah. I know, you know, stem cells, you know, and a fertil- like basically a fertilizer will help to just, you know, basically like injecting steroids, but without the nasty yeah. side effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so basically just with all the stem cells and, you know, all the nutrients in the blood itself going back into the soil and, you know, the whole rebirth and regenerating and, you know, um, you're giving basically the plants going through its own cycle, just like we go through our own cycle. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. I've never really heard it sort of like put like that. And I think that's really cool because it is like, it is that sort of cycle of things. I think, you know, I, I obviously come at it from the lens of like training and nutrition and like, or, you know, how things we can get our physique result and our strength and, and the common questions that do come through are, you know, um, how to manage things around your cycle. And it's like, we don't really want to be managing things around our cycle as such. And I, mm. I think we kind of both agree on this is like, it is a cycle. We want to be able to optimize this cycle that it's not impacting our day. Like this is, yeah. this is who we are. And it just kind of like plays along. And obviously there are different parts within that. So, and I, I love that you spoke about the ovulation as well too, because <laughs> yeah, it's, well, you know, what? As also actually, I've actually, across is that uh, a lot of people haven't realized that you can't just get pregnant on any day of the month yes but we're taught to believe that yeah like you just, yeah people just think oh yeah like just absolutely any day just mm. any day be very careful you know what I mean without going into the detail but yeah any day of the any day of the month you could fall pregnant it's just like that it's like well, actually no isn't it I think it's about four days before ovulate four to five days before ovulation and one day post that's kind of your window of optimal fertility as far as I understand yeah so like um I don't know the exact but I'm pretty sure like sperm can actually live in yeah for about five days anyway so it's like that time that's when you know you actually you know should be careful and of course you know there are certain symptoms and signs from your body as well that can tell you when you're ovulating as well um yeah, so that's like obviously um, increased. Uh, I was going to say height, <laughs> not height. <laughs> increased. <laughs> Just get a little bit taller. We don't need to wear our high heels. Yeah. Um, increased temperature. I don't know why yeah. I said height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with um the temperature, you would want to take your temperature. It, I think it's by about. Oh, I can't remember the figures off the top of my head, but if mm-hmm. you, um, yeah, tracking your temperature is a way to track whether you're ovulating or not. But it should be taken literally as soon as you wake up like you know yeah before you check instagram before you go to the toilet all that sort of stuff and at the same time every day so it can be effective and accurate yeah yeah, yeah. definitely and there um, are other signs as well that you know you're ovulating as yeah definitely well i know i've experienced um like pain like ovulation like not pain to debilitating pain but obviously i've one side to the other um yeah, and i learned yeah. that too i'm like you know obviously an egg's released from one side egg released from the other side I'm like no one tells you this stuff it's just like anyway but yes please tell me some more <laughs> well yeah um yeah like you mentioned um you know feeling ovulation like you know the egg is literally like 
leaving sort of thing. Um, there's also um, cervix position as well. So I know that, um, you know, the height and, you know, whether it's hard or soft can determine whether you are ovulating or not. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also and probably the easiest and my favourite way is to check the toilet after you wipe. Mm -hmm. If it's that, like, you know, that egg white sort of consistency, like, you know, really slippery and white sort of yeah. consistency, then that's, you know, you're ovulating. All right. So that's a good segue just going into talking about, um, I guess, the the stuff that we were saying, like, let's get on and chat through is, you know, food and the cycle and kind of how that all intertwines. And I know I get a, a lot of questions, obviously, around our menstrual cycle and optimizing um, around training. And we might talk to that a little bit more once we've kind of overviewed the food side of things, but really talking about like, you know, how can we minimize period pain through different foods? And does it matter what types of foods that we're eating leading into our cycle. So I'd love to hear your wealth of knowledge on this topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So um, yes, definitely food can play a role with, you know, reducing period pain and, you know, your period overall. Um, I would say, um, I'd say probably the most important is, of course, everyone's going to roll their eyes hydration and water <laughs> and being hydrated, because I'm sure you can remember from beauty days as well, if you're not hydrated, your skin products won't apply and your body won't function and just nothing. You're just. You your know, hair is going to snap. Your skin, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not gonna work. So yeah, definitely the most important is hydration. I just wanted to jump in here before we get into this with a little bit of a perspective around optimization and rather than aiming for perfection. Now I am a recovering perfectionist myself. I used to be the all or nothing approach and it got me nothing every single time. So what we're talking about here is ways to start to look to optimize. You shouldn't look to overhaul everything overnight. Um, and if you haven't listened to the first few episodes of this podcast, then I definitely recommend you go back there. And remember, this is general advice. Stay curious, have a look at ways that you could start to optimize for yourself but let's get into it. Inflammation and inflammatory foods, it, it can, most of it is similar, but there are some parts that vary as well. And I'll get into that later on. Um, but for pretty much everyone, um, so anything that's, you know, inflammatory is, you know, your fried foods and, you know, so, your, you know, your dim seams, your potato cakes, um, sausages, all that sort of stuff, um, you know, that just really heavy sort of canteen Highly sort processed, of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's all in pretty inflammatory. And, um, I would also say, you know, things like alcohol is inflammatory. Um, and you know, your bad fats as well. So you've got good fats and your bad fats. So, you know, your bad fats are your vegetable oils, um, and, you know, things like, you know, your cabanas and your fatty cuts of meat and things like that. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, there is a time and a place for, you know, your chicken thigh and, you know, your lamb shoulder and things like that. But, you know, your, I'd say more your briskets or your super duper marbled meat, I would probably steer clear from. And I would, um, yeah, you, you also want your um, good fats as well. So, you know, your um, salmon, nuts and seeds, extra virgin olive oil um, and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, I would also um, not be including too much, you know, refined sugars as well, because that's, pretty inflammatory as well and I know that I'm probably going to get some there's a lot of different opinions about this but um gluten and dairy um so these are the ones where they are inflammatory for some but not for others because um you know 
like we're saying at the start, you know, everyone's individual. Um, Some people react to those foods and some people don't. And there are, I know that there are people who say, um, you know, it's bad. And then there are other people that say it's good. Whereas I say that really just is determined based on, you know, your individual needs and you as a person as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, other foods to include, like I mentioned before, you know, your healthy fats, so all your omegas and, you know, oily fish and, um, you know, nuts, seeds, olive oil, and things like that. Um, also, you know, your anti-inflammatory foods. So um, turmeric is a big one. Um, I, I kind of have a turmeric latte most days, and I definitely feel like because that's super anti-inflammatory, it does help to combat that. Um, also loading up on antioxidants as well, um, which help to combat all that oxidation and inflammation from the outside world as well. And, of course, you know, your dark leafy green vegetables, I'd say, are pretty super important as well. Yeah, I love that. And so just obviously to like specify, this is more kind of like the, you know, leading into the um, menstruation. So obviously like kind of post ovulation, just before you're about to start bleeding, it's like during this time. And, and again, you know, just for those listening that, that uh, tend to be the high achiever type A perfectionist, like, all right, this, we've got to do all of this. And it's like, no, we're not going zero to a hundred. It's like having a look at, you know, the message, the takeaway message is like, you're an individual having to look at the things that, you know, kind of trigger you around that time. Obviously, you know, there are, I guess like there is research around like your omega threes and sixes helping with anti-inflammatory, the prostaglandins in that actually, you know, um, are responsible for the contraction in your uterus and the pain and all that kind of stuff as well. So, you know, looking at that, that evidence side of things in the research there, it's like, if we can incorporate some more of these things through the foods that you just mentioned, like your, you know, oily fish and your nuts and your seeds and your <clears throat> moving away. The funny thing is I was actually looking at what was in lamb the other day because mm-hmm. um, there's a, a restaurant nearby that's actually really, really lovely. They do like such a good um, like lamb sort of dish. And I'm like, oh, but that's not, I was just like, you know what, just playing it cool. Like maybe let's just wait until after, (laughs) after the cycle and just see, just because like, obviously, you know, wanting to optimize and like reduce this pain. And these are ways that we can implement and move towards this. So it's, I think, um, and just to kind of go on a bit of a tangent is like the message that I deliver across, um, you know, I guess like my coaching, my podcast, my Instagram is really about like the 80, 20, you know, optimizing things. How can we work towards a more optimal space, but not at the detriment of our overall stress levels and sending us, you know, down a dark rabbit hole. So it's really finding that balance and yeah, like slowly building on these things. And I'm sure, you know, the way you operate right now and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't you didn't just go one day I was doing this and then the next day I'm doing all of these things and the problems kind of shifted did you no no I definitely started off slowly and I definitely would make that same suggestion to everybody that you're better off just you know something like a you know pain-free period for example you're definitely really much better off asking yourself what I wanted getting down to the root reason so I call it like a five why sort of reason so I want a pain-free period why because whatever reason why 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 until you get down to the root cause because that when you're not motivated like you know we've got christmas coming up in a couple of months um you know when life gets busy and things get bad then if you don't unaware of your root reason then it's going to be a lot harder to stick to that and once you figure that out i would definitely take things one step at a time because you don't want to overhaul yourself and overstress yourself and be overwhelmed because you know stress can a thousand percent influence the sort of period that you're going to have. I do know that um, in the luteal phase, like we usually get like our PMS sort of um, 
PMS uh, yeah. cravings. Um, and I do know that, you know, um, a lot of those cravings, um, popular cravings like, you know, fried food, carbs, chocolate, things like that can be linked to some sort of micronutrient deficiency. So I know that, you know, craving chocolate, for example, which is very, very common, um, is linked to a magnesium deficiency as well. Yeah. Um, and with, you know, insulin sensitivity um, and, you know, a lot of that, like, you know, our typical Australian diet is not the best um and (laughs) not the 80 20 that we talk about yeah yeah exactly exactly but uh that typical diet there is a lot of emphasis on carbs and whilst i agree carbs that you know they're essential and you know i probably would go insane without carbs but there is not that much emphasis on things like you know protein and healthy fats and for women especially we definitely need healthy fats even if it's just you know a sprinkle of sesame seeds on top of your stir fry will go a long way yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and that's it, you know, anyone that is listening can go back to, I think it's episode three. I went into like all the details around all the different macros and micros and why we need what. And 100%, like obviously our body, especially for women, we tend to, we, we do carry um, more body fat and we do require that for our overall function and all these hormones and everything. So it's like, we need to incorporate that within our diet and make sure that we are incorporating mostly our, you know, quotation mark good fats as opposed mm. to the quotation mark, you know, not so good fats and really looking at like how we can optimize that leading into our menstrual cycle. And it's funny because usually the go-to is like, you know, the conversations around comfort food and like, oh, well, you know, I'm feeling like this. And what what would you say to someone who, yeah, does say that like, you know, the foods that you mentioned seem like they're so hard during that period of time? Um, excuse the pun. I actually didn't mean to do that, but like leading into your period. Um, what 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 do you like, what kind of advice would you give that person? Well, it, it depends. Like, you know, I are you craving that food, like that specific food? Like, is that something that you crave all the time? Um because it does take about three months, 90 days for an egg to mature. So usually what you're doing today is going to influence the period that you have in three months time. So if, you know, after a while, every single month, all I want before my period is chocolate, then we will kind of address that deficiency, obviously, you know, through blood work and other testing and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's something that they're craving all the time, then we do need to go further. But if it's something like I, I feel like chocolate because I can, yeah, um, then that's, that's completely like, 100 percent as long as it's not all the time yeah and I think like that's what it comes back to that you know I guess like the comp that episode that I was saying is kind of going into the detail of what diet's the best diet and it's like when we look at the principles of energy balance and having a look at you know our macro distribution and what our goals are and kind of the minimums it's like you can eat chocolate and still lose weight do you Mm -hmm. want to fill your diet with mostly chocolate Probably not, especially if you're after a physique result and you have a lot of stuff going on in your life. It's not going to be the most amazing energy source and probably going to see some issues, just, you know, not going to go down into that rabbit hole. But yeah, there is so much nuance to everything. It's like, like we can't just go, okay, this person, you know, do this, this person do that. It's like, we need to kind of look at everything from that bird's eye view and yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, I feel like we always come around, like just, you know, any conversations that I'm having, it's like these are the things and these are the the ideas that we can start to implement and these are areas that we can look at. But, you know, what's going to work best for you is going to be different for someone else. And it's funny that you talked about um, magnesium because I literally, I, I won. Um, I actually am gluten and dairy free. And so I don't eat normal chocolate, haven't for a really long time. Um, but I have dark chocolate, you know, obviously you can have that. And 
I don't crave it. I'm not very much a sweets person. And the funniest thing was I just couldn't get it out of my mind the other day. I was just like, I, I don't know why, but I feel like I just really need some dark chocolate. And I thought, you know, planned it all out, obviously within the phase that I'm in and the results that I have, um, the results that I have, the results that I want, I'm acting as if I already have them. So fair. Um, but you know, and the time sensitivity, like I actually have a particular deadline that I'm working towards. So I'm like, okay, how can I manipulate and make this all work? But I was also really curious to be like, okay, I really want to know why, like, why am I craving this? Because it is something outside of the normal. So I think we share this same thing of like, get curious about what's happening. Like, don't just, you know, like, yes, we can make chocolate. Chocolate doesn't need to be demonized. Chocolate's not all bad, Um, but it's like, you know, we could, yep. Like, let's just, you know, have that, make it all work, whatever, but then have a look at like what's deeper and underneath that. And again, obviously electrolytes, magnesium, et cetera. I was like, I really do need to sort out my hydration and really just like move forward. And I think, think where we start to, and I think it would be a good segue to kind of go into the stress side of things is, all of a sudden we start to have these cravings and we don't really know why. And we're probably not following a 80, 20 kind of diet overall, you know, 80% whole foods, 20% soul foods and soul foods, basically those more processed, highly palatable foods. So if we kind of start there and then start to optimize, have more of those healthy fats leading into that cycle, you know, obviously our, and just for those listening, our, uh, I guess our metabolic rate can increase from 100 150 to 350, 100 to 300 roughly calories um, during that period of time. So if we are in a deficit, we're probably going to be a little more hungry than usual. So it makes sense. And, you know, we can choose to be in a larger deficit during that time, or we can choose to, you know, have an extra couple of snacks within the day to put us back to where we were. Um, It really depends on your goals and timelines. And if you're not working with a coach, definitely maybe look at that. If you are working with a coach, chat with them about that if you're not sure, um, because, you know, it is something that you can just look at understanding more about yourself and why. But I guess like having a look at the stress side of things, I see a lot with, you know, the clientele that I'm working with that it's like, okay, well, I'm craving this and I shouldn't be, and now I'm demonizing it and now I'm not going to do it. And now I'm, you know, stressed and angry. And now I've gone all out on it. Like, can we go down that kind of stress route? Yeah. I'd love to talk about it. Yes. Tell me more. Tell me about your experience and your, yeah, your research and all that. Well, so I'd probably just start off by saying that I feel like our society at the moment just glorifies stress. Like the more stressed and the more busy you are, the quote unquote better you are. Um, It's very popular to be stressed all the time. Yeah. Um, But in fact, Um, when we look at stress itself, like even though it's 2022, we have evolved so far as a species we've done, you know, compared to our caveman days, we have done so much, you know, we've achieved so much. Um, But unfortunately, parts of our brains and parts of our, like our primal brain has not evolved. So back in those caveman days, um, you know, if you were being chased by a tiger, for example, you would need to choose fight, flight, freeze or fawn. You would need to decide that. And then, you know, based on whatever decision you make, um, you know, tiger's gone, hopefully you're still alive and, you know, the stress situation's gone and you can go back to your normal your normal way of life. Um, but because we haven't evolved, um, our like we are constantly in that, you know, stress response. And unfortunately, our our brain and our bodies do not know the difference between, you know, being chased by a tiger or being stuck in traffic or, you know, an angry email or work deadlines or just being overwhelmed in general. And we've just adapted that as a normal 
response and you know it going back to the caveman days if you know if you're trying to fight a tiger your body's not going to think it's you know fantastic time to go make a baby for example so um your body just wants to protect you at the end of the day like whatever whatever is going on your body wants to protect you that it's it's primal role so it will shut off its quote-unquote unessential um, functions like your reproductive function so you can essentially escape this tiger and um yeah so you know you won't have a period you know if you're you know super duper stressed or your period will have other issues if you're super stressed and things like that yeah definitely and I think like talking about like stress and especially when you have a look at um the you know the research there as well when it comes to there's like red s um in terms of like you know highly, highly active, low energy intake, not an opt- optimal energy sort of space. It's like, yeah, the the presence of the period isn't there because it's like our body's just like shut off. We need all resources to deal with this stress that we're constantly under. And mm-hmm. I like to think of stress as a bit of a, a cup um, and our, our cup can only take so much. And it's funny because the thing is always like fill your cup first, but now mm-hmm. I'm talking about we don't want our cup so full. So when we're talking about our stress cup, it's a little bit different to our de-stress cup. So yeah our stress cup, you know, we're constantly adding things into it. So if we're in a deficit and we're trying to, you know, um, have fat loss for whatever uh, physique result or goal that we're working towards, that's already a stressor on our body. And then, you know, add the work email and then add the family stress and then add this and add that. And all of a sudden we keep pouring water into this cup. The cup will overflow very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if, if if it's already at high capacity, we really need to empty that cup and fill the cup up with air if that makes sense I'm like no, painting this definitely <laughs> sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so it's like you know how like how do we how do we do that and how do we I guess like do we need to be more mindful of that in certain parts of our cycle like what would you say to that well um the cycle is obviously the different phases like the different seasons and um you know during your you know your winter phase um or your bleeding phase um your body's like literally doing more work so it's kind of like if you have all these stresses it's like if you add an extra stress on top of that you won't be able to function optimally so it, it is okay to you know cut back during that phase of your cycle you know you cut back on you know, if you want to say no to a friend to go out, like, that's fine. If you want to decline a phone call, that's fine. Um, unfortunately, there are things we can't avoid. But, you know, you can start, say no to things during that time. And, of course, during your Set ovulation. boundaries. Yeah. Yes, yes. Pro- probably the hardest thing to do, but the most important thing to do, boundaries. 100%. And I know one of the girls that will be listening to this and she probably send me a message and be like, were you talking about me on the podcast? I'm like, no, we all kind of do it. But we've literally been talking a lot about boundary settings, especially around different parts of the cycle, um, you know, because I guess like, and I don't know what this experience is like for yourself, but I guess if I look at mine, I actually have pretty much like a roughly 28, 29 day cycle. Um, and I actually go in and I put a reminder in my phone a week before so I track through flow um, and then I'll go, you know, once I track it and go, okay, cool, this is where we're at, roughly bleed for, you know, four days um, and then, you know, have a look, okay, when's the next one due? I'll go and put a, a week reminder in there. And that that reminder is actually for me to how can I say no to more things that are external and how can I say yes to more things and what kind of things can I take off my plate? So I know that I'm kind of, I guess, in a privileged place to 
you know, look at what I can do within my calendar and maybe not book as many appointments. But I know there's a lot of, you know, career women out there that are high achievers working hard in a managerial position. And maybe if they have the option to run a workshop, they might do it at a more optimal space or time within their their monthly sort of cycle. So they feel that energy and they feel really good and they have that confidence. And so then when they want a little bit more downtime and a little bit more you know, I, I know myself, I need more sleep. I typically tend to be a little bit more irritable. Like yeah. you ask my partner, he's probably like every, every time I breathe, you're like jumping down my neck. <laughs> I've been try. I try to be a little more mindful. That's why I put that in there, but it's like, you know, I, I kind of take these things now. And again, there was a point in time where I didn't do this. So, you know, for someone who's on the space of like 20 year old me, I remember I'd be listening, thinking, wow, that's a bit extreme and I'm not going to be able to do that. But growth mindset says that we can implement those small things and changes over time and, and get to a space where right now for me, it's like for me to continue as normal me and not have, just be aware that the way that I view myself during this period of time is maybe going to be a little bit skewed. I'm, you know, typically we tend to see a little bit of like, I guess, harder on our body image. Um, We are a little bit more swollen. Like there's all these other things going on that I think it's nice to just be aware. So when you say like pain-free period, obviously that doesn't mean symptom-free. So do you want to like differentiate a little bit between like pain-free period versus symptom-free period? Um, So I'd say like, you know, are you talking about like leading into, you know, between ovulation and, you know? Yeah. 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 So um, I'd say what, um, what, you know, you should be going through is, you know, just feeling like between ovulation. So you're coming down from your high and you're kind of feeling that, you know, chill sort of vibes, you know, that's pretty much normal. But, you know, in terms of um, your actual period itself, like, you know, because your body's literally doing more work, it, it will be normal to feel hungry, but not I'm going to raid the pantry sort of hungry. Like, you know, eating a bit more food um, is, you know, probably necessary just to support your body during that, you know, um, that part of your um, period. Um, also, you know, again, your body's literally doing more work. So if you are tired, then that is, you know, that's okay as well. And you know, there are some cases, you know, like you can still feel the fact that, you know, you are bleeding, you do have your period. Um, so, you know, you're not going to absolutely feel nothing at all. I mean, yes, you can, but, you know, it is, you know, you can feel the fact that you're actually bleeding. So it's not the it's not like sort of period. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like, oh, it just never happens. It's like, yeah, obviously yeah. there's still all the, you know, symptoms of that or like leading into it or the, the puffiness and the bloating. And like, no, I, I don't mean bloating as such, like it's not always, you know, the same for everyone, but you do, you know, hold on to a little bit more water around that time. We typically, you know, having a look, I typically see my scale spike during that anywhere from one to three kilos. It really does de- depend. And especially depending on the foods that you've eaten. So all of those sort of things come into play as well. Um, that's definitely all normal. Yeah. Just yeah. To feel, you know, just tired and yeah, a bit tired. Yeah. yeah. And I think just the nature of working with um, predominantly women um, is, you know, having these conversations and just hearing, especially I'll see th- things through the check-in and we kind of can be really hard on ourselves during that period of time, like just leading just in just before that. I think for me, it really depends. I think it's kind of around like day 19, day 20, I start to get like really critical about me and my appearance and, you know, but having that awareness within, I literally have it in my calendar. It's like, okay, Hey, like, let's just park how you're maybe thinking and feeling and readdress it in a few days time and just see whether you still have those same thoughts, feelings, and opinions. And yeah, I think it's just, um, 
yeah, it's just something that I feel as though, yeah, isn't spoken about. It's like, okay, you just, everything's just normal. And then all of a sudden, like you're going to get angry and and have this really painful period and and bleed. And, and then that's it. And you're just going to keep doing that until you don't have a period anymore. So when it comes to, um, you know, menstrual cycle and like cyclical nature, they say like, I think it's between 27 to 35-ish days is typically the quotation mark normal range, like, you know, either side of that. Have you had any like experience or come across anything within your research to see anything about prolonged bleeding, like bleeding for a really long period of time? Um, I know that there, I haven't done much research into it, but I, yeah, I have seen that. And again, that can, um, at the end of the day, once you unpack that and get to the root of that, it could be, you know, a combination of, you know, nutrient deficiencies. It could be, you know, hormones. Um, and it just, it really just depends on the individual, but yeah, that is, um, that is something that I've seen. And I, I definitely said the, the bleeding phase should last anywhere between three to seven days. And anything that's more than that, you know, should, is probably, once you get down to the root of it, should probably be looked at deeper. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know whether I said bleeding for 27 to 35. That's not what I meant. I did mean cycle. So if I did, I'm glad you corrected if that's what <laughs> I did say, because no, that's that's not what I was thinking. I was meaning like a cycle. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, bleeding for three to seven. Um, but yeah, like I, and that's it. I have actually been looking at a lot of the research and trying to look into that a little bit more too, just, just through, um, you know, different experiences and, and people having these issues that they're not kind of like addressing with doctors, you know, that it's kind of getting like blank faces and be like, oh, well, you know, everything looks normal. So cool. And it's like, well, you know, we're just having this discussion of like, if things aren't kind of fitting within this category and this broad range of things, it's like, okay, this is probably a telltale sign that something isn't quite right. So, you know, having a look and addressing some of these particular deficiencies or seeing what you can optimize or eating, you know, in a more cyclical nature. So it's like, if we can prioritize these types of foods towards the end of the cycle versus, you know, the start as an example, um, with, I guess, like, you know, pain around that sort of stuff too, what what are the most common, I guess, like things that you've seen when it comes to the research saying about pain and periods? Because I, from what I kind of know in the conversations that I've had is it's just kind of accepted as normal. It is definitely accepted as normal. Um, but I guess it just depends. Like, you know, if you're someone who, you know, is completely debilitated um, you know you're taking time off school work social things um, as well as you know other symptoms you know like um, yeah like really painful periods you know painful sex and um, all that sort of stuff then maybe you might have endometriosis as well which is a completely different kettle of fish like you definitely need to be diagnosed by your doctor Um, but I mean it, it really like if you the standard Australian diet, like if you're eating that, then you're not eating in a way that's going to optimize your body. And of course, you know, your body's going to get inflamed and you will, um, you will experience pain, you know, period pain and, you know, heavy bleeding and all that sort of stuff that you shouldn't be experiencing. And, you know, once you're, you know, if you're, if you are eating in an optimal way and there is research to show that, you know, different, you know, foods, like especially, you know, omegas and um, anti-inflammatory foods having an effect on, you know, your um, symptoms of, you know, different sort of reproductive um, avenues. Yeah, it's it's so interesting though because it honestly blows my mind to think that like our typical diet is just not 
ideal. And obviously like I've, you know, we could talk on this for ages. I don't want to keep going down that, that sort of path. Cause I'm just like, yeah, it just blows my mind. And it's conversations that I'm having a lot, but anyway, hopefully these conversations start to spark some just questioning around like, okay, what actually is and isn't quite normal? Like what kind of things are my experiences as well? And, um, you know, I definitely believe that, you know, your thoughts create your reality. So if you're growing up in a home where, you know, mum, aunties, cousins are complaining about periods and things like that, you're going to think that that's normal. You're going to expect that from yourself, like expect that to happen to you. Um, you know, you, it could you know, be a placebo of you thinking. I'm not saying, you know, it's made up or anything. I'm not going down that path at all, but there is a, probably a part of you that wants to try and manifest that into your reality because everyone around you fits that mold. Whereas if you grow up in a home that's quite neutral and positive about it, then, you know, there is a lot less chances of you having that. And I definitely think with, you know, myself, for example, um, you know, not dismissing an idea just because no one's told you, like, not dismissing that, um, you know, just because, you know, if you think it's possible, then there is probably a way to make it possible. And, you know, it is very easy to get stuck in this, like, you know, everyone has it. I want to be like everyone else, like, you know, that sort of mentality. Um, and yeah, I definitely, I'd say that's probably been the biggest. Yeah. It's like when you were sort of talking about that, it's almost like on a subconscious level, like we're not even quite conscious that we're thinking those things, but it is, it's like, you know, I grew up even now just like challenging the type of, um, what are they called? Sanitary products that I'm using. It's like, it's just kind of like whatever your mom, you know, has used and her friends used and that's kind of thing. And you're doing that and you just kind of go along that way. But it's like, actually there's quite a whole bunch of different things that you probably didn't even know about. And maybe something else might be more optimal for you and having a look and getting curious, but it is like we are, you know, like the the five people that we hang around, they say, and it is yeah. true. You kind of, even if you don't realize it's like, that's, that's, you know, those you're constantly exposed to that. Or even, you know, now I'm going down a rabbit hole of Instagram scrolling. I'm like, get rid of the clutter, like unfollow, block, delete, report, like remove the toxic energy because yeah. like you're consuming that first thing in the morning. <laughs> No, put yeah. the phone down, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's all of that. It's like, it's, you know, throwing it in your face and having a look at what you're being exposed to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, we are exposed to so many different messages and at the end of the day, like, um, you know, like if you want something, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, finding evidence and finding proof of someone or something that has done it before you. And, you know, if you really do want something like you definitely can have it all, you just need to, you know, be in the right mindset and not be trapped or limited because you can find evidence of people saying, you know, painful periods are normal, but then you can also find periods of people saying that pain free, sorry, painful periods are not normal. So I guess it just depends on what, do I like what life do I want to live and what path do I want to go down? And um, yeah. It, yeah. Like, no, <laughs> I, I'm just nodding. Cause I'm like, it's hundred percent. I was, no one obviously can see this. They can hear it, but I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Because it, the exact thing happened to me. And I had this conversation with someone the other day is that when I was first diagnosed, I kind of went into a bit of denial. I was like, Oh no, that's not me. Whatever the doctors got it wrong. And just, kind of moved on with my life. Like there wasn't really any explanation. It was just like, here you go, this is the condition you have and here's a, um, a you know, magic pill and that'll fix all your problems. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that path. I'll talk about that on another podcast. But 
um, yeah, had the conversation that I was like, you know what? I want to find someone who has this, who's doing what I want to do because there has to be evidence of it. And it was very, very difficult to try and find like, you know, and connect with, but I was just like, if like this, if this is the very last thing I do, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to put my mind to finding it. And I remember it was in lockdown. I was listening to over 10 hours of whether it be podcasts, audiobooks, people on Instagram, like really just like hunting and finding, like trying to find the people that were doing the things that I wanted to do and were on the other side of where I wanted to be because a lot, and I, I found myself in like certain groups and, you know, on Facebook and you're trying to find people to connect with that maybe are experiencing these things, which is why I want to talk to it on another episode. But it's like, then all of that was like, it was just negativity, negativity. It was like, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm thinking, whoa, like I can do that. Am I bad? And then I'm thinking, oh no, maybe that. And you just kind of, there's so much getting thrown at you. It's like, how, like, how would you tell someone to start to sift through this? Like what, what would be the advice that you'd give someone that sees period pain is normal, period pain isn't normal. Like what do, what do, what do we say to them? Well, I guess it just, well. I, I know it's a tough question. Kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably ask, you know, where are you getting your information from? Um, you know, I would, you know, get down to, you know, why they want to, you know, experience, you know, pain-free periods, for example, or why, um, do they want to do that? And, you know, why is the the two people, the two opposing views, what are their reasons behind that? Because um, what I've noticed as well is if you're trying to achieve something, um, there is a lot of limiting beliefs that you can uncover. Like, um, you know, a lot of people might think that, you know, if I want a pain-free period, I need to cut out X, Y, Z, whereas it's not necessarily the case and you don't really know that until you go down further and ask, you know, questions and go down through the limiting belief because, um, like, you know, yes, you know, as much as I agree, you know, things like managing your stress and your diet and your nutrition is really important, but if you're not undergoing, like, going under those limiting beliefs, then, like, are you sabotaging yourself without knowing it? Um, and it all just takes the right poking and prodding to figure out what, is the reason behind that because, um, yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, you just need to figure out your why, figure out why and just question and um, get curious. Yeah. 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 I'm like, honestly, look, we keep coming back to it and it's everything that I say as well. I'm like, just question everything, get curious about everything. It's funny that we say this is because I'm such a questioner and a like, why tell me why, like, Oh, like, why are they saying what they're saying? Like what kind of, and again, like for me, I'm not, it's not whether, Oh, you need to be like, 10,000 different degrees and a PhD and all this kind of stuff. It's like, just show me like, where are you getting some of this information from? And like, what is that? And, and I say like with clients that I coach, it's like question me on things, like ask me why I'm doing this this way. Because, you know, if I can't explain and articulate it to you, then it could just be a load of nonsense. And obviously that there's variables to things. And I'm very honest, you know, we have conversations in check-ins or like just coaching in the DMs, whatever. And I'm like, hey, this is this could be a little bit of a placebo. This could be a little bit made up, but these are the things and changes and paths that I tried to go down during, you know, this period. Maybe it's something that you want to experiment and play with. And, you know, I think that that's important because the research is literally changing, especially when it comes to fitness. Like that's that, you know, it hasn't been years and years and years and years and years and years. Like there's there's things that are ever, you know, coming and adapting and being really, stay curious. Like that's the message. It's like stay curious and question things. (laughs) In terms of the curiosity kind of factor, what kind of different paths have you gone down that maybe haven't quite been, you know, as much research and heavily evidence-based? Like what kind of things have you experimented with, with that mindset side of things? 
So, yeah, just really just nutting down the limiting beliefs and trying to figure out, um, you know, how much of my painful periods were based on, you know, my diet and how much of that was just based on, based on like, you know, the energy of people that I was surrounding myself with because it, it like you can probably relate, like, you know, when you're back in high school, if you're not complaining about your period somewhere or another, you kind of feel a bit... Um, you don't fit in. You don't fit in basically. And yeah, just trying to figure out like, you know, how much of that was based on, you know, um, my my food and how much was based around, you know, what I was thinking, how I was thinking and, you know, the, just the stories that were going on in my head and, you know, just trying to um, trying to question why something is just a blanket statement. Like, you know, things like, you know, this is normal, this is normal, but is it really like, you know, and just really trying to, I don't want to use the term too much, but, you know, the whole listen to your body and just if you know in your gut that something doesn't feel right just because someone's telling you it's normal, like, you know, as like, like I said at the start, you know, men and women are completely two different essentially people and, like, you know, we are we do have a very strong intuition on, on purpose and, like, you know, if you feel in your gut that something isn't right with my body, like, question it and if you don't like the answer you know question it again and just until like you I mean you know your body and you know no one's going to love you more than you love yourself so you're just trying to really um you know be intuitive with that part yeah I love it like connecting connecting all the dots and connecting that with yourself and really like going inward I think it's really important to really slow down and quieten down and that's something I really learned a lot with just the you know the health roller coaster I call it <laughs> over the last you know 18 months um, in terms of mine is like, I really had to learn to sort of slow down to speed up. And, and that's a lot of what I do with my coaching as well. And just kind of like get curious about things, question things, also apply different things and, you know, work, work with, with everything rather than trying to go against everything all the time. And I think like, you know, I feel like a lot of people will be able to resonate with the limiting belief stuff. And it is a lot of perspective shifts. I know someone in particular um, within the team, we'd spoke about periods and she would always just write it off as, you know, okay, well, I just got my period. And so a week and a half, I just feel like a bit shit and I don't really do my training and I don't do this and I don't do that. And didn't really look after herself. And it was kind of, you know, questioned and, and said like, are you happy with doing that? Like, because, you know, realistically that's one, you know, one week at least out of every month and there's 12 months in a year, that's 12 weeks, that's three months of your year. So that's a whole quarter, a quarter of your year, you're just writing off. Like, are you, are you happy with that? And she's like, oh, no way. You know what I mean? And when, when we change that perspective, it's like, okay, so how do we start to like optimize things for you and your lifestyle? And yeah, really just start to look at like diet and mindset and beliefs and really challenging all that sort of stuff as well. I feel like we could go on and on for ages. Um, I'm yeah. obviously mindful of your time as well. Um, so I think like, as we start to sort of wrap this up and say, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation. It's been so much fun. And I know that, yeah, I'm really keen to hear if anyone, if you're listening, if you've got more questions, please, you know, um, give us a screenshot, share it on your story and tag us. We'd love to continue the chat a little bit more um, speaking for the both of us, but I guess for, for those, like for women that are listening that have just been told, you know, period pain is normal or they have never really tracked their cycle or, you know, just really new to this area. What's, what's your like main message that you want to be able to deliver to everyone? So your period is basically a blessing and it is not something that needs to be shamed or shoved under the rug. And I understand if you're being told all this information, it can seem overwhelming, but just start off slow and just really question things and question um, why things are the way they are and just um, 
you know, this this is a gift and just, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, question and um, and understand that, you know, just be, like if you see something, you are showing that thing because you can have it too and, you know, to not limit yourself based on something that someone's told you. Told you once off. I love it. Just optimizing yeah. things. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. So again, thank you so much. I feel like, again, we could probably organize another time and go down more rabbit holes, but for those that are, yeah, I reckon let's definitely tee up another time. Um, I would like to give you a little shout out though. So where can everyone find you on Instagram? Yeah. So my um, Instagram handle is um, desi.k.nutrition. I do have um, my website as well. And I am launching my first uh, mastermind early next year, all about, you know, teaching people my formula about how I achieved pain-free periods, um, you know, covering everything from the diet, the mindset and the lifestyle. And of course, you know, there's always email DMs and yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you so, so much and chat to you very soon. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And if you want my free PDF that gives you a bit of a recap of my top tips when it comes to menstrual cycle, understanding that, learning a little bit more about optimizing different phases, summarizing everything and making sure that your health and fitness goals aren't impacted, hit the show notes. There is a link um, and you can grab your free copy. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please share, like, comment, tag, friends, family, whatever, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the You But More Powerful podcast. If you're determined to continue to expand and grow and reach heights you never thought were possible, you'll want to make sure you're subscribed so you'll never miss out on a single episode. If you loved today's, I would absolutely love your feedback and to see you tag at You But More Powerful underscore podcast on Instagram. See you guys in the next episode.